0: It's a crime. This information has been suppressed this long. Now, let's get on with the podcast. For the guys interested in the steroids podcast coaching services,
1: there's the one-hour phone call consultations. It's $59, and you call and have a private phone call with me. For the guys that have been listening to the podcast and have signed up to do that, and we've done that, it's been great getting to know you guys and happy to help you guys out. And then for the guys that are doing the daily text messaging based coaching where we text message each other on WhatsApp. We talk about, it's personal training over WhatsApp and we talk every day, that one's $99 a month. And then we get that daily uh, contact between you and me. It's not just talking about only your, your cycle and taking care of side effects and keeping your gains going and stuff like that. But we also do uh, training and diet together. So it's the full, the full comprehensive service. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. The first question for today is from Variah. He asked the question, here's a question I've had for a while. Do you know what's happening physiologically when a user gets back in shin pumps on cycle? I used to think it was from water retention from D-ball expanding tissues and pressing on nerves. But the same pain can occur while on T-ball as well, which as you know is a dry oral. So what is the source on this issue? Well, what you're noticing is you're noticing that anabolics increase pumps in all muscles. So some muscles are more susceptible to this than others. So like the lower back is notorious for having uh, pumps, especially from strong anabolic compounds. So... Really, any any strong steroid, though, can give you these pumps, like lower back pumps. People talk about that. And so just to describe what a lower back pump feels like for people that haven't experienced it before. It feels like the muscle in your lower back is going to explode. So it gets so full of blood uh, with a pump, like after you've done deadlifts or after you've done bent over barbell rows or when you've done squats. And especially if you're on... Um, something like D-ball or Tren or Anadrol or, you know, even Winstrol or Anavar can do it. Um, you can get this really extreme pump in your lower back and it can feel like there's so much pressure inside the muscles that it can feel like uh, it's going to explode. And so it's sort of a sharp pain back there um, that makes you feel like you need to either get on your knees and bend over a bench in front of you to put pressure off of it or like lie down or something. Um, So it's, it's really painful. It's not when you talk about like an extreme lower back pump, it's not something that's fun. And so some people suggest like using supplements, like to avoid this, like taurine is one that you hear frequently, but I personally haven't felt that that is effective. Um, Some people, it does work for them. But I've never noticed a difference from supplementing with taurine. And I mean, if that was the case, you should be able to take an energy drink, you know, and have it go away. And we know that that doesn't work. Um, so what's happening is that the the steroids cause these pumps all over the body. And if you have these normal muscles that usually aren't getting such an extreme pump, uh, it can, it can uh, cause like that extreme pain. So there are other muscles, too, that will get extremely pumped, sometimes like your feet, like there's a side effect called Winnie foot. That is, uh, it's normal on wind straw when you're running uh, higher dosages of it, like 75 milligrams or hundred milligrams per day, it would be normal to be walking and to get a pump in the arch of your foot. And the, the pump could actually get so extreme. Um, when you're walking, especially if you're walking on an incline, like up a hill, Uh, where the arch of your foot you know there's not a lot of room in there for a lot of extra blood there is a muscle there holding the arch of your foot but there's not a lot of room in there for an extra blood so if it does get that signal and it does start getting a big pump it can be extremely painful and make you actually have to stop walking for a little bit like stop walking for five minutes and um, have to take a rest I I remember getting this at school a few times when I would walk up the hill to my school and I would be using windstraw and I'd uh get an extreme pump in the arch of my foot and it would get so painful that I'd have to you know sit on a fire hydrant for five minutes and let it kind of dissipate and then start walking again let the blood drain out of my foot Um, other things that can cause uh, pumps is like cramping so especially clenbuterol clenbuterol causes cramping because it excites the muscles it excites the the central nervous system so clenbuterol also makes you stronger when you take the tablet you know an hour later after taking the tablet you're stronger you'll be able to add like one or two reps to your max lifts um that you could normally do like if you could normally do a five rep max with a with a certain weight you'll be able to do it for like six or seven reps simply because you took the clenbuterol um an hour or so or two earlier and then it makes your your brain be able to send a stronger signal to your muscles to contract so they can work harder. Um, and so it, it keeps your your muscle tone or the tension that is in your muscles a little bit higher all the time, Clenbuterol, And so it's also, it gives cramps. And you'll notice things like maybe like your tongue cramping a little bit or your fingers cramping a little bit or like the same thing, like your feet, like uh, the arches in your feet. That's that's not uncommon. Um, some of these some of these weird spots on your, on your body cramping, like especially in your, in your fingers and in your hands, that's pretty typical or like in, in your neck or under your jaw in that, in that area um, under your jaw bone below, below your chin, but um, in front of your neck, that area can definitely get cramps from clenbuterol. So when you use these performance enhancing drugs, um, it is normal to get some of these pumps and cramps um, and there's not really much you can do about it. The main, the main thing to do is to make sure that your electrolyte balance is like level. That's the best thing you can do to avoid cramps. So having enough salt and having enough, uh, potassium and magnesium, you know, if you just salt your food a little bit extra and you eat, you know, at least one potato per day, cause potato is of common foods. That's the most potassium, heavy food. It has one potato has about as much potassium as three bananas. And then, um, you know, if you are not getting enough magnesium, if you just take a little bit of a magnesium supplement, like a magnesium tablet, uh, usually if you take the full tablet, it'll give you diarrhea. So if you just crack it into four pieces and take a quarter tablet of magnesium per day, um, that's usually plenty of magnesium. Uh, so then you get, you get those, um, uh, you get those essential electrolytes and then if you eat meat you're getting enough calcium anyways so that's the other electrolyte and but as far as like completely avoiding them like no that's just kind of part of being on PEDs is getting some like more extreme pumps I'll tell you a few things usually if you're carved up completely you're a lot more likely to get these kind of extreme pumps also trend and orals give these extreme pumps uh more so than other steroids like other injectable steroids don't seem to give them as much as trenbolone and orals do um and it seems like anadrol and dbol these ones that carry like more water retention uh they they volumize the cell more and make more uh retention of glycogen carbohydrate fuel storage inside the muscle cells and so that they're storing the, st- the cells are stretched more they seem to be the ones that cause the, the worst pumps. But the, the diet is probably the most effective way for you to mitigate this. Generally, if you eat less carbs, um, the, the pumps, if you know, if you're getting debilitating pumps, uh, then if you eat less carbs, generally it's not so, so much like that. And also just like a calorie surplus. If you're on a calorie surplus, the pumps seem to be a lot more extreme. Uh, than if you're not on a calorie surplus, so those are the main ways to take care of it is just making sure that your electrolytes are balanced and, uh, then carbs and calorie surplus, uh, being both things that make the pumps more extreme. So you can cut back on those. Uh, but you know, having those really bad, uh, extreme pumps like that, painful pumps is a sign that you're really anabolic, you know, gaining strength, gaining muscle, Uh, I remember during the first time that I ever used Windstraw, I remember um, it giving me a pump. I think I was was using two tablets per day. I think I was using 50 milligrams per day. I think they were 25 milligram tablets. And I remember the pump in my forearms was so extreme and so rock hard um, that literally my forearm felt like a rock to the touch because it was so full of blood um, that if you touched it, there was no give to the muscle. It was so swollen and the um, veins, the little capillaries in my skin actually started exploding during my workout. So I had these little um, exploded blood vessels like all over my forearms. Um, There was like a definite, uh, there was a definite, you looked at my arms and there was little red lines all over the place. I could see them during my workout and that was my first time um, being on a windstraw cycle using wind in my cycle. And so that was, that was, a uh, an example of the pumps. And one thing, here's another thing is that when you are a new user of steroids and you haven't been using them for as long, you're more likely to have these extreme pump side effects. And then as you've been using them for longer, they become less common. But if you have been eating a lot of food and you are in a calorie surplus, they definitely do always happen, and they also are a sign that you're super anabolic and that you're you know, making muscle size and strength gains if you're getting these pumps. So that's the answer to that question. Next question is from Jack Sino. He asks, for next steroid podcast, can you go more in depth about high-dose equipoise with medium-dose testosterone? I heard about that from your friend from France. Uh, pro bodybuilder from France that we had on the show, but we had to take the episode off and I'm curious about the results. Yeah. So mostly, you know, if you can use testosterone, it's a good thing to use. People ask, you know, why do you use a higher dosage testosterone or why use higher dose testosterone? So the first thing that I have to say is that most people, that say, you know, I don't use a high dose testosterone, you know, I only use 250 milligrams per week or 500 milligrams per week. And then they have like a, an impressive physique. Most of them are lying. So, you know, they're saying that they're saying that to you, but then they're in their bedroom, you know, shooting up all kinds of syringes, you know, and, and taking a lot of high dosages of tests. So a lot of guys that, you know, have like crazy, you know, large muscular dense physiques and they're like, oh, I'm like on TRT and I add 40 milligrams of Anavar, and that's my cycle. What they mean is that they're on 10 times TRT. So, you know, one, one CC of, of testosterone, 250 milligrams per week testosterone, that's TRT, right? But, you know, <laughs> they're on a vial of testosterone a week. I mean, it's just simply not true. You know, they're, they're lying. Always trust your eyes, guys. If you see people, if you see people that have, physiques that don't look like uh, a a normal human being or or they don't look like a normal uh, steroid user or you've been using steroids for you know a couple years and you kind of know like what steroids do and have a feel for it at certain dosages and you see people that are just completely in another like universe like just just trust your eyes like you you will obviously know that this is not correct this is not the effect of what they're doing so not everybody is on one vial of testosterone per week, guys. That was kind of a joke when I said that, but it's to give you some perspective because, you know, a lot of the big guys are on that much or more, um, depending on how big they are. Um, but and everybody does different has different cycle protocols, et cetera. But it does happen. It's not some crazy outlandish thing. And, you know, people talk to me quite a bit. Actually, they say like, oh, you know, since I've been listening to your content. I've noticed that you're a fan of high testosterone cycles, and it's not really that I'm a fan of like really high dosage testosterone cycles. It's just that I'm honest with you about what I do when I'm alone in my bedroom. So so a lot of these guys, you know, that are saying like, you know, you know, I'm on TRT, you know, I take 250 tests a week or I take 500 tests a week or or something like that and then they're like oh and then i com- i compliment that with sarms or 40 milligrams of Anabar per day or something like that it's just not true you know they they're saying that that's what they do but then they're in their bedroom alone you know at night shooting up hella syringes and uh so even though they're telling you like uh, oh i use this low dosage of testosterone that's not actually what they're doing and so that that's what i'm trying to to tell you is that you know, a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week is not like a really high dosage. It's it's actually like a pretty normal dosage. It's just that people's perceptions are thrown off because you know if you go on internet forums Uh, You have all these guys that are saying like, don't take a, a high dosage of testosterone, which is anything more than 500 milligrams a week. And then you have, you know, other guys on YouTube that are like IFBB pros and shit saying like, oh, you know, I only take 500 milligrams per week and nothing more and stuff like that. But then, you know, what these guys are doing, you know, is trying to tell people, you know, don't take any more than that because then you'll be as big as me and I want to be the biggest person. So, you know, they tell you. You know, it's like do as I say, not as I do. And so you got to read between the lines on that one. Uh, one, I usually don't recommend Dave Palumbo's material because he says a lot of stuff that is, you know, not the greatest stuff. And some of it's inaccurate, but other other bits of it, if you read between the lines and you watch Dave Palumbo's show, there there's quite a bit of true information in there. But you've definitely got to like be reading between the lines And so one of the things that Dave Palumbo says, and this is a quote from Dave Palumbo, is every good steroid cycle starts with at least 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week. Okay, that's what he recommends for a beginner's first cycle is 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week. That's his recommendation for a first beginner steroid cycle, okay? Um, So that was a quote from him, and while I don't think that you need to use 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week for your first beginner steroid cycle, I think it's better to use something like, you know, 500 milligrams of testosterone per week with an oral like Winstral or Anivar or Trenbol. That's my recommendation. Um, but, you know, it's what he's saying is is true about, you know, that's not some kind of insane dosage of testosterone, a thousand milligrams per week or like high testosterone. It's just normal. If you saw the, the guys, if you could see what they're doing in their bedrooms when they're alone and no one's looking, you know, a lot of people are using around a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week. And then they're just, you know, saying that they use something else when they're talking to you. So that's a lot of people have been asking me about like, why do you recommend high testosterone dosage levels? Because, you know, I use basically like, you know, if I'm going to do a cycle, I always use about a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week, you know, at least 700 and, you know, up, up to 1,250 milligrams, or, you know, even up to 1,500 milligrams. Like if I, if I'm really pushing it more with the testosterone, um, somewhere in that spectrum between 700 and 1,500 is what I use. Um, and so people say, you know, like, I notice you're a fan of super high dosage testosterone levels and like, really it's, it's not that high. It's just normal. Uh, you know, the guys who are really into high testosterone dosages, you know, one vial per week or more. Another example of this that is confirming that, you know, what I'm saying about that, you know, high testosterone dosage is generally, in reality, one vial per week or more, would be when Dornian Yates, uh, he gave an, an interview on a YouTube show called London Real, and in it he talks about how he experimented with up to 3.5 grams of testosterone per week. And he said that at the time when he was experimenting with that back in the eighties, that was considered a lot. And that guys who were doing 2,500 milligrams or one vial of testosterone per week were usually the power lifters. That's a a quote from, from Dorian Yates. Okay. So he's talking about what guys were doing back in the eighties and what was considered a high testosterone dosage back in the 80s. So you gotta like go look back through this to find out what really is a high testosterone dosage. And I'll tell you too that, you know, higher testosterone dosage is higher than 1.5 grams per week. Um, it, it does start to give side effects for a lot of people like a high blood pressure, water retention, um, definitely noticing water retention in the skin outside the muscle. So think something like your your sock when you remove your sock, having a an indentation there, or laying on the bed on your stomach and noticing lines all over it when you get up. Once you start getting over a thousand five hundred milligrams of testosterone per week, those side effects for most people do start coming on stronger. Um, and you know, a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week is a great dosage, and you can do a lot on that. But I'm saying this stuff because you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, and you know, while I don't want to promote like high dosage usage to you guys. I do want to help you understand accurately what people actually do to achieve their physiques and what dosages they're actually using, what dosages, you know, are considered normal or what dosages people in the gyms that you see who are big are actually using, not what you've read on the Internet or what somebody on the Internet has told you is is big or what is normal but actually in reality when you go to the gym and you see people who are large you know what they're using so that's why I'm saying this to you guys but not everybody does good on high test and so you know Jack Sino was asking about equipoise and that's why we got off on this testosterone rant here uh, was because he was asking about um, using medium testosterone dosages with high doses of equipoise Um, and so equipoise is a steroid that it turns into estrogen a lot less than testosterone. If you got big estrogen problems with testosterone or you get big bloating problems or you get big acne problems or mood issues with testosterone, um, you know, using one of these other steroids instead can definitely be a less side effect option. Um, You know, another reason why people use testosterone, you know, as a high dosage thing is because it doesn't really have a lot of health side effects. You can usually take up to a gram of testosterone per week without really having any bad blood work if you keep your estrogen in check. Um, And uh, it's also cheap for a high milligrams and it's very effective. Like uh, a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week is pretty damn strong at building muscle and strength. And it's not very expensive compared to, you know, a thousand milligrams of other steroids per week so these are all reasons why people do that but if you don't want to do that you know and you just use 500 or 700 milligrams of testosterone per week and then you can use um if you get side effects from testosterone you know you can use other stuff like equipoise um deca durablin uh or or you know the short acting the fast acting ester of deca called nan- nandrolone phenylpropionate um that's like a it's like a It's similar to testosterone propionate. It kicks in in a few days. And then there's also primobolin. So Equipoise, Deca, primobolin. Those are like the three mass building injectables that are common um, other than testosterone that you can use. You know, obviously Trenbolone as well. But Trenbolone is another high side effect drug. So I guess you would say that there's, there's testosterone, then there's primobolin, Deca, Equipoise, and Trenbolone. Those are the five injectables that most people are building their physiques around or like their basis for their cycles that they build their physiques around. And, uh, you know, you can go with a lower testosterone dosage and then use a higher dosage of these other compounds if you don't like testosterone and you can use those instead to get your milligrams in there and you can grow muscle just fine. So, but just know that, you know, most of them are not quite as strong as testosterone. So, you know, two grams of testosterone is stronger than two grams of Equipoise or Primo or Deca. Not a lot stronger, but, but a little bit stronger. It's a, it's a little bit stronger. Uh, so, if if you, the main thing that you got to know is that most people who are big, jacked, dudes who you go and you see them at the gym and you say like, damn. That dude is jacked as fuck. Um, You know, the average dosage that these guys are running is somewhere between 1.5 to 2.5 or so grams of gear per week when they're on cycle. Somewhere between 1,500 milligrams up to around 2,500 milligrams of total steroids combined per week. So that means like, you know, their testosterone, their Anivar. Their equipoise their primable, and whatever you know whatever they're doing their cycle with. If you added up the milligrams of all the different steroids that they're on, then you know the total milligram dosage would be somewhere between one thousand five hundred to two thousand five hundred or so in that range, milligrams per week that's the common dosage that you're going to see you're going to see um people outside of those dosages but those are gonna be like outliers, okay? So the ma- the majority of the concentration, if you made like a graph with dots with people, um, you know, and what their dosages were, you're generally gonna see them within that area. If they're the guys that you see at the gym and you say like, damn, that dude is jacked as fuck, that's that's gonna be it. So if you don't like testosterone and you wanna put more milligrams into uh, into getting in that range with other steroids, then that's fine, that's fine. Um, but you know, a lot of other steroids do have some health side effects, you know, they can affect your blood work bad. You got to check your own blood work to see, you know, whether or not they do, uh, affect your health bad. Um, but you know, normally testosterone does not affect your health badly. It's a bioidentical hormone. Your body knows exactly what to do with it. And then also a lot of these other ones are more expensive. So, you know, even me, if I, you know, if I had an unlimited supply of premobolin for free. right, I would probably use like, you know, three three cc's or four cc's of testosterone per week. And I'd use like a gram or a gram and a half of premobolin per week. Um, You know, that would be even my preference. But that's freaking expensive. That's freaking expensive, okay? So these are all different reasons of why, you know, people do what they do. Uh, Hope that clears that up a little bit uh, with uh, going into high doses of equipoise and what it does yeah it grows it grows muscle great as long as you're getting in with into that 1.5 to 2.5 or 3 grams or so of total anabolic steroid milligrams per week you know if if you're total if you're using equipoise primabolen um deca whatever testosterone and getting into that area um then you know that's going to be the sufficient amount of roids that you're going to need to have flowing through you in order to be jacked as fuck. Okay, so next question is from for the glory. Okay, well I've suffered secondary hypogonadism for a while. It's basically inhibited normal growth and development. I use some natural stuff to help progress my test levels, but it just isn't cutting it. I was wondering though if I could use Primabolin or even low dose anavar winstrel equipoise instead of actual testosterone to avoid certain sides. I'm not prone to hair loss, but it is a fear. So I've considered DECA only too. Still interested in competing further and getting serious with fitness. So I'm looking for gains as well. Okay, so this guy, for the glory, he sent me a picture of himself, and he's an adult. So he, even though he does have secondary hypogonadism, and it inhibited some normal growth and development, that phase for him is over, and he has used some... Some hormones and stuff So um, he's not going to be Like growing anymore He's already an adult Okay but you know For guys that have If you do If you did have normal Or uh, hypogonadism Which is low testosterone Low hormone hormone levels And testicles that are not functioning fully um, You know when you went through puberty And you have like a short penis Or something like that um, You can actually grow it Um, or, or like you can actually grow like a a couple inches, like possibly, you know, an inch or two onto your height or, or get some of that normal development, like, uh, some chest hair appearing or like your, your penis growing to, you know, what would be its normal length. If you had some of those, uh, if you would have had normal, uh, hormone levels during puberty, you can get some of those benefits still. Um, if you did have low hormone levels during puberty and you missed that, and now you're an adult. And, you know, you have some, you're lacking some development. So if you do go on like testosterone replacement therapy, that can generally, it doesn't help guys height very much because their bone plates are already fused. And so they can't grow uh, much more, but it can help finish off some of that development. Um, So like if they, you know, if they didn't have enough hormones and so it caused their penis to be, you know, not growing as much as it should be, um, you know, then going on the, the hormone replacement therapy. Um, Can, you know, help it to be, you know, its normal size that it would have been if it would have had, you know, complete its development and complete some other development, like finishing off some like body hair and facial hair growth and stuff like that. But that's only if you started out, you know, not completing your development uh, during puberty from having low hormone levels. So for guys, if they've had hypogonadism and they grew up with that, they grew up with that um, during their teenage years. And never completed development. Um, hormone replacement therapy can still be something that you can go on. And it can help you as an adult even to complete some of that development. Um, so that's one thing with that. Um, and now for the glory is asking about um, using some anabolics. So, so hormones that are uh, more on the muscle building and less on the masculinizing side. Because he says he wants to avoid testosterone because of certain side effects like hair loss. Um, Yeah, so if if you don't want to have you know masculinizing side effects uh, or you know masculinizing effects from using hormones, then yeah, generally staying away from things like testosterone, trenbolone, masteron, things like that have a that that have a high. Stimulation of the male hormone receptor and have those really masculinizing effects generally staying away from those is fine um, And so deca without testosterone It has been shown in studies to be able to Give sufficient male hormone uh, androgen replacement function um, If you don't use it with testosterone generally the metabolite of Nandrolone, which is called dihydronandrolone it inter- it, So with nandrolone which is deca, that's the chemical name for deca, is nandrolone. It interacts with an enzyme in the body called 5-alpha reductase. That's the enzyme that turns testosterone into dihydrotestosterone, which is the brain chemical, the brain steroid that works. It makes you have a you know, masculinized brain um, and the behavior components of Uh, steroids and then you know like makes you be able to get an erection things like that okay so since if you have no testosterone in your body but you have nandrolone in your body instead deca that same enzyme 5 alpha reductase interacts with the nandrolone and it is able to convert that nandrolone into a more potent version that can still act in the penis and in the brain, called dihydronandrolone. So it's it's not nearly as potent as dihydrotestosterone. But if you have high levels of nandrolone, you know, so then then you can get enough of that dihydronandrolone that you can still get that full um, hormonal function in your body. So if a normal person was taking like uh, 250 milligrams, you know, of testosterone per week, you know, they would be able to get the full um, hormonal benefits and having their hormonal system. Being stimulated like a like an androgen replacement therapy benefit from that okay but in order to equal that with with nandrolone you have to take a higher dosage of nandrolone because you got to have that that metabolite of nandrolone that does the effects that stimulate your hormonal system in order to enough in order to replace the you know not having dihydrotestosterone in your body because you're not gonna have any dihydrotestosterone the brain chemical um, in your body if you're not taking testosterone you're just taking Deca. So since nandrolone is much weaker than dihydrotestosterone, you got to take more of it in order to get a similar effect. So for somebody that was taking DECA only and, you know, wanting to still have like a good functioning sex drive and stuff like that, um, you know, they got to be taking like 800 milligrams per week, you know, uh, an absolute minimum of 600 milligrams per week, an absolute minimum. You know, somewhere between 600 milligrams, you know, up to 1,000 milligrams of nandrolone per week in order to get enough of that hormone in them to stimulate their uh, hormonal system enough to be, you know, normal, to have a androgen replacement or testosterone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy effect in their body um, coming from the deca, nandrolone. And with deca, you know, even for guys that are prone to hair loss, it generally doesn't cause hair loss, Deca and Anivar. If you're somebody who's like super worried about taking steroids and hair loss, or if you've like taken steroids and gotten hair loss and you're like really afraid of it or something like, uh, you know, taking Deca and Anivar and not taking any other steroids is your best bet to keep that at bay um, and deal with that. So yeah, you can do that. Um, Jorge asks, someone told me to drop Trend and take only Masteron pre contest. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. And so the reason why is because, you know, I've experimented with this myself. I've experimented with, um, you know, only running Masteron, only running Masteron and Winstraw, only running Masteron, Winstraw, and Proviron. And let me tell you, okay, for one thing, your sex drive goes bye bye. Bye bye. As soon as you take out that estrogenic component uh, from from your cycle. OK, so if you have no testosterone in there um, and you are on Mastron, normally Mastron increases your sex drive a lot. OK, but if you take out the testosterone and then you have no more estrogen, so you get no more estrogen in your brain because your brain needs estrogen to function correctly. Bye bye. Sex drive. Bye bye. So that that's one thing. OK, with with Mastron. And the other thing with mastron is that it provides zero muscle fullness okay zero it actually you know taking mastron kind of reduces muscle fullness a little bit it makes it provides a very lean athletic dense hard look okay very dense very hard but kind of a sucking in a sucking in look to the muscles okay and so to have any kind of fullness at all on mastron you have to have something that loads glycogen into the muscle in addition to that or else you will look so damn flat on mastron only or mastron and windstraw only you'll look very dense and hard but you will have no like 3d pop or roundness uh to your muscle no fullness at all you'll look very sucked down and flat and you know kind of natural looking like like as far as uh, you know not being 3d uh and you know not having that round shape to your muscles having more of a, f- a lean long flat athletic look to your muscles instead. That's what's going to happen if you take out trenbolone and um if you're, you know, if you're only using trenbolone and mastron pre-contest cuz you know what a lot of people do pre-contest is they use testosterone, trenbolone and mastron together and then the last 3 weeks before the contest they drop out the testosterone and just go in to the contest on trenbolone, mastron and a lot of times straw together and that you know that actually provides a decent look the trembolone keeps the glycogen storage in the muscle uh, you know high enough that you know there's still some 3d roundness and pop but then there's no water retention at all from having any testosterone in there so they they get the combination of having that lean dry hard sucked down look while still having some muscle fullness um, with the Tremblone in there. But if you do take out the Tremblone and only go on the Mastron, let me tell you, I mean, you should try it just so you can experience this. You should try it and, and see what happens because, yeah, you get so flat. It's a very lean, athletic look. People will think you came off cycle. That That's what happens. People will think you look... They'll be like, whoa, you got a lot smaller here. Did you go off cycle? And you'll look real hard and suck down, but you will you will look very um, flat stringy not 3d not round you you know you could be you could be natural but you'll look very hard at the same time. Uh, (laughs) and just don't do it just don't do it unless you want to don't do it pre-contest okay you can experiment with it before your contest but it's not going to be a good thing if you do this pre-contest you're not going to be happy with the result garrett asks hey man just recently discovered the podcast and i'm a huge fan I've done two cycles of trend and I'm about to jump on another stack, but want to tone it down a little. How does one go about finding farm grade gear though? I have access to a few underground labs, but listen to your podcast about your infection. Okay. So getting farm grade gear, I said that, you know, after my leg infection, I said that, you know, I couldn't use, or I couldn't inject myself anymore with underground lab gear because you know it's Russian roulette you know are you going to get an infection if you use underground lab gear probably not but could you get an infection like me if you use underground lab gear yeah yeah you're putting yourself at that risk um, and every bodybuilder that's honest with themselves knows that you know it is it is it's not probable but it can happen and it's kind of like Russian roulette you know low probability Russian roulette you know injecting stuff that's made by drug dealers um, into your body and, uh, you know, injecting that straight into your body through your body's defenses and, you know, bad things can happen and they do happen. I'm not the only one who has had an infection from UGL gear, you know, Uh, other people have too. So guys that are, you know, worried about that and thinking like, oh, I need farm grade gear, you know, obviously it, it comes... Um, uh, you know, it can be diverted, it, you know, people that, okay, I'm not even going to talk about that. Okay. There are hormone clinics in Florida. There are hormone clinics in Florida. Okay. That are online. And, you know, I even coach some guys that use, cause you know, I do the, the one hour phone call consultations, um, for, for you guys that listen to the podcast. And then I also do the, the daily, uh, WhatsApp text messaging coaching, uh, where it, you know, it's month to month. And, you know, one of the, some of the guys that I do the coaching with, they, they are, they use farm grade gear, farm grade human growth hormone and a farm grade testosterone Deca. Um, even some of them have, uh, Winstrel and Anavar prescribed by these hormone replacement therapies and Anadrol, um, from Florida. And what they do is these, uh, these clinics in Florida, some of them are anti-aging clinics or rejuvenation clinics, they have websites and the doctor will do a Skype video chat with you and prescribe you uh, the pharmaceutical grade gear over the internet, okay? through After doing the Skype chat with you. So it's legal, okay? It's legal, It's it's not like sketchy or underground or not legit, okay? And then they mail you your gear your, your hormone replacement stuff in the mail with the prescription with it, okay? So it comes to your door with a prescription from the doctor in the mail, okay? And then people say, but is it expensive? Yeah, of course it's expensive. Like, get real, okay? Like, you know, people who say, um, you know, oh, well, I can't do it if it's expensive. Okay, well, this is the thing is that things like pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone, Pharmaceutical grade gear. Um, you know, getting uh, you know, higher dosages of testosterone and, you know, other anabolic hormones prescribed to you by a doctor, you know, these things aren't cheap. People expect these things to be cheap. Um, and that's the reason why a lot of people do use UGLs is because they're cheap and more accessible. Um, but I think most people do have some way, you know, if you get UGL gear Um, usually those guys do know of some way that they can get pharmaceutical grade gear, but it's, you know, two to three times the price of the UGL gear. And so they're like, oh, well, I don't want to do that or something like that. And I mean, then if you choose that, you don't want to do that, then, like I said, you're putting yourself at that risk, um, where you could have something happen to you. Like what happened to me with my leg infection in Colombia. if you don't know what happened, just Google search Dan bodybuilder in Thailand, leg infection, and uh, it will come up. And, uh, you know, is that going to happen to you if you use U- UGL gear? Probably not. Could it happen to you? Yeah, it could. You're taking that risk. It's probably not going to happen, but it could. So, you know, that's, that's uh, why I decided for me, you know, I had that happen once. I got freaking
0: burned.
1: And I can't take any chances with that happening again. So, what I said, because you know, obviously, I had to sit down with myself and have a discussion with myself, like, "Yo, you know, what caused you to almost lose your leg?" You know, and talk to myself and say, like, "This cannot happen again. So, how can I make, you know, sure that this is not going to happen again?" And for me, what I decided that I had to do in uh, for my life. To take care of myself from now on is that I can't take any more injections uh, of UGL gear. So for injections, I only use pharmaceutical grade gear now. And then, you know, for tablets, you know, I'm still okay with taking like a a tablet with a with a UGL gear. Uh, So like an oral steroid, I'm okay with that. Um, but as far as injections go, uh, that's a complete no for me. That's what I had to do, the decision that I had to make for my life to ensure that that will never happen again. All right. Next question is from Jay, who asks, Hey, Dan, fan of the podcast. I've been a natural bodybuilder for eight years, successfully gained from a 30, 130 pounds and now at 205 pounds lean. Now, if I want to take it to next level, what steroid stack would be perfect to start with and why? <laughs> okay, I checked out a picture of this guy because he sent it, and he looks good, too. So, great job on that natural bodybuilding. Good job with that. Um, it, with, so, I'm just going to say, like, what is the steroid cycle that I recommend for beginners? So, earlier we talked about Dave Palumbo. He recommends for a first beginner steroid cycle, 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week. Um, me, I recommend less testosterone than that because testosterone can cause some troubleshooting issues. Okay. So testosterone becomes a lot of other hormones in the body. It can become estrogen. It can become dihydrotestosterone. And then there's metabolites of those hormones and it can have effects on other hormonal systems. So what I prefer to do is use a lower dosage of testosterone for a guy on a first cycle. And then um, use some other steroids in there that um, don't produce any other hormones other than just the hormone that you put into you. Uh, So if you take a lower dosage of testosterone, you can have less troubleshooting with estrogen levels or dihydrotestosterone levels or whatever to have to tinker around with than if you take a higher dosage. So for guys that are doing a first cycle and they ask me, you know, like, what should I take? What I say to them is I say two cc's of testosterone per week, 500 milligrams of testosterone per week, just because I think that less than that, um, you know, it really doesn't provide like that, that wow or bang factor, like at all that you're looking for. Cause people have expectations when they're going on steroids and they're like, you know, they have expectations of what's going to happen. And, you know, if it's this really slow, methodological gradual change that happens over months that's not what they're really looking for and they're usually pretty damn disappointed about it so um, you know I I recommend you know 500 milligrams of testosterone per week paired with an oral that doesn't have any estrogenic effects or doesn't have any severe um, side effects really and so usually like plug-and-play orals where, you know, for example, with testosterone or tranbolone or DECA or even Echopoise, You know, it, when you use those, you have to tinker around with anti-estrogen pills or anti-prolactin pills and be, you know, tinkering around with these dosages of these other chemicals to control side effects and shit. But with something like, um, like Windstraw or Anavar or terinabol or Primabolin. Uh, you don't have to add anything in. They're just plug-and-play steroids, and there's no troubleshooting necessary. You just start taking it. You don't have to take anything else with it. You just start taking the roid, and uh, it works. And it makes you look better. It makes you stronger, and it makes you grow muscle. Um, so, in order to, you know, have that experience, when you get on the the gear, where you're like, oh wow, I'm, I'm. Impressed by this, like this is what I imagined would happen when I went on gear, quickly gaining size, strength, muscle mass, and looking better. Uh, what's gonna work good for that is starting out with about 500 milligrams of testosterone or so per week, and then some, taking something like 50 milligrams of Anavar, or Winstrol, or Trenbol per day, if you wanted to do an oral. And that's that's what I would recommend. Um, is one of those three. Winstrel, Anovar, or Terinobol at around 50 milligrams per day uh, paired with 500 milligrams of testosterone. That is the beginner steroid cycle that I would recommend, but some people are like scared to death of orals, and I don't think that that's really necessary, but if that's you for some reason, then you pretty much got to shell out the extra money for Premobolin, if you are looking for that same kind of thing where it's like plug and play with no side effects and um you know having that that expectation where you know you're looking better getting stronger and getting bigger um and and it will also be a little bit slower obviously to experience the gains if you use premable and in, in comparison to if you use an oral so for those guys that are you know like dead set on not using an oral for their first steroid cycle then it would be the same thing that I'd recommend, I'd recommend about a thousand or sorry, about 500 milligrams or so of testosterone per week. And I'd recommend like 600 milligrams of primabulin per week with that. So that would be uh, a shot of testosterone twice per week and a full three CC shot of primabulin twice per week. And uh, I mean, those, those would be easy cycles to do. There's not going to be a lot of side effects you have to deal with. You can pretty much just take, take those roids and be good to go with the testosterone. You know, you're going to have to probably take a Remed-X or eczema stain, you know, a couple pills per week, but that's it. And other than that, you can just be on the cycle, enjoy the gains, not have side effects, uh, not have any kind of like fucked up sex drive or anything like that, and just enjoy what you're doing. So that's what, that's what I recommend for a first beginner cycle. Uh, the next question is from Grant who asks Hi, first off, love the podcast, bought your ebook Ultimate Guide to Roids. Amazing depth of knowledge put into both. Starting my first cycle of two hundred fifty milligrams, testinanthate, twelve weeks, going to use aromasin exemestane as antiestrogen, and wanted to use HCG throughout. What dosage HCG would you recommend I use per week? Also, could you recommend which main blood work I should get checked for this cycle? Thanks in advance. All right, so with 250 milligrams testosterone per week, you're not going to have health effects, like negative health effects from that. That is a dosage that you know doctors prescribe regularly for testosterone replacement therapy, and that means for guys that have no testosterone, getting them up to normal testosterone levels. For most guys that take... 250 milligrams per week of testosterone that'll get them a little bit above normal testosterone levels like it'll get them around a thousand nanograms per deciliter or a thousand you know somewhere between a thousand a thousand thousand five hundred nanograms per deciliter whereas the normal normal range is more like 500 to 900 nanograms per deciliter um or 600 to 900 or so for normal you know good testosterone levels in normal men are not over 40 years old, those are the normal numbers. So it'll get you a little bit on the higher end of the spectrum, but some guys, it won't. Some guys will get them still in the, in that normal, completely normal spectrum. It depends on how your body metabolizes testosterone, how effective your body is at, uh, getting rid of the testosterone drug. Once it's in your body, um, how, how high your blood levels will get. Um, so as far as like blood work and stuff like that like you can definitely get your blood work checked and you know if you take steroids and you want to get your blood work checked you should you should get a full a full regular health panel so if you go on to a place like um private web or private med labs private md labs i think is what it's called.com um you know you can order uh if you don't have insurance or you don't want to do it through your doctor you can just do it through them and and they have a program where you can go to some kind of lab that they contract with. And if you live in major cities and you don't live in New York, because I think it's banned in New York, um, you know, you can go there, take a little blood test and then they send the info to the website. I think it's called private MD labs. And, um, then they, they post your blood test results and you can view them online and that's that. And, you know, generally what you want to do when you are on steroids is you want to get a full health panel. Um, some guys they want to check their testosterone levels when they're on cycle, and that's totally reasonable too, and a good thing to do uh, to see you know if your gear's legit. Like if you're wondering, testing your total testosterone levels. But if you're looking at it for health, then you just need to get the general health panel that shows, you know, your your liver enzymes, your cholesterol, uh, your blood lipids, your kidney function. Etc shows all the normal stuff and you can just see, you know, how the organs of your body are running and mostly everything should be in the normal range. Um, Some things that might be a little bit off sometimes is liver enzymes can be a little bit high and that can be from taking oral steroids or it can just be from working out because um, working out breaks down tissue and it makes your liver enzymes go a little bit high sometimes. Um, And then. Um, The other thing is uh, cholesterol can get raised a little bit from being on testosterone um, and also from being on, from being on, uh, from being on oral steroids and uh, then oral steroids also can affect your blood lipids as well. So those are the, those are the testing parameters that usually get a, it's more common to see those get out of range from taking steroids Another thing that gets out of range a little bit is hematocrit, which is uh, the amount of red blood cells in your blood, like the density of red blood cells in your blood. So hemoglobin means like the the total amount of volume of your blood with the red blood cells in it. And then the hematocrit is just like how much red blood cells you have. And so those those numbers are both related. And, you know, either of them can be good for looking at you know, do I have too many red blood cells? If you have high hemoglobin, or if you have high hematocrit, those can both be accurate tests for showing you know if you have too many red blood cells in your blood. And um, the way that you get rid of that, though, if you if you get that, um, is you go you go give blood, you you donate blood, you get the blood out of your body, um, and that thins out your blood again and uh, gets rid of some of those extra red blood cells. But You know, talking about high red blood cell count is that, you know, a lot of athletes try to get high red blood cell count. You know, that's why you hear about people training at high altitudes and then coming down and competing at low altitudes. It's because at high altitudes, there's less oxygen. So the body responds by producing more red blood cells and they come back down to normal altitude and they have extra red blood cells, which means they have more oxygen, being able to flow through their body, fuel their cardiovascular system and fuel their muscles. So they're at an advantage. Another thing that people, you know, the athletes have been known to do is to, um, you know, draw their blood and take, you know, a bag of blood of their own blood and then put it in the fridge and keep it there for months. And then when it's time for the competition, you know, their body has regenerated And has a normal blood again, but now they reinsert that blood that they took out, you know, months earlier and they reinsert it into their body and uh, plug it back into their bloodstream. So now they have extra red blood cells again. So then they're able to do a better athletic performance. So when you're talking about slightly raised hematocrit or slightly raised red blood cell levels, um, it's something that athletes generally desire. So as long as it's not, you know out of you know pretty high out of range or you know like definitely out of range it's not such a bad issue okay i give blood i give blood once every three months and i just leave it at that um usually just to let you know usually i am at the top of the normal range for hematocrit and hemoglobin like i'm right at the point uh that's my general thing uh with giving blood once every three months that's what i normally do and when i go in and get my hematocrit and hemoglobin tested. My numbers are right at the top of the normal range, like bordering on what would be too high. So that's me. Okay, next question is from Mike. Can you talk about how the use of Kratom can benefit someone on cycle? I, for one, have been running 1.5 grams of test, and Kratom has really helped me stabilize my mood. Also, a fast strain pre-workout feels amazing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Kratom is an incredible pre-workout drug for bodybuilding. So, um, you know, this is not a good thing, but back in the 90s, people were using injectable Vicodin called Nubane as a pre-workout. You know, they said, you know, it, it lowers cortisol, so it's good. But, you know, then everybody got addicted to Nubane because it's injectable Vicodin, and they were taking it intravenously. And so people were walking around with fanny packs with... Vicodin bottles and syringes inside Not a good thing, okay But uh, but so what Kratom is, is Is there's different kind of opiate receptors In your body, Kratom is a plant That grows in Southeast Asia And the leaves Are ground up into a powder and then you eat the powder Okay, and there are Different kind of opiate receptors in the body There's the kind of opiate receptors that um, Morphine and its analogs Such as Vicodin uh, can stimulate And then there's other kind of uh opiate receptors in your body and the kind of opiate receptors that kratom stimulates are the ones that are not the same kind, primarily not the same kind that morphine and Vicodin stimulate. Okay. So it, these receptors that the, the kratom stimulates, it doesn't have those same kind of like real addictive effects. And it also doesn't suppress your breathing. So that's definitely one of the main dangerous effects of things like you know, morphine or heroin or, you know, Vicodin is one, the addiction potential, and then two, depressing your breathing and then dying from having a cardiovascular or uh, like collapse where, you know, you stop breathing. Uh, But with the Kratom, that doesn't happen. It doesn't suppress your breathing. Um, And then also it it does have some some addictive properties to it. It's about as addictive as coffee is. Um, If you're a black coffee drinker, you know, you know, that's addictive. I, I mean, I've been addicted to coffee. I've definitely been addicted to coffee where it's like I can't function without it. You know, if you can't function without something, if you can't function without uh, without it normally, then, yeah, your body's got an addiction to that substance. It has to have that chemical in order to be normal. So that's happened to me with Kratom, too, um, you know, where, you know, I would be using Kratom every day, uh, two or three times a day at. Around five to ten grams per dosage, and it's an incredible antidepressant, and and it really creates a great optimistic feeling. Um, it get, it makes you feel very optimistic, and you really see a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's incredible for your mood. Um, but you know, if I wanted to stop taking it, you know, I would have to stop taking it, and then for the next one and a half or two days. You know, I really wouldn't feel too great. You know, I'd feel kind of like, like I had a cold, you know, I wouldn't feel hot. That's for sure. And if you've tried to stop uh, drinking coffee after you've been drinking coffee all throughout the day, you know, every day like that. So, you know, like I said, I was taking Kratom, you know, two or three times a day, every day. Um, That's a similar way to a lot of people drink, you know, coffee two or three times a day every day. Um, And, you know, when I, when you want to stop drinking coffee and you've been doing that and the same thing when you've been uh taking kratom and you want to stop doing that it for the next about 2 days you know you don't you don't feel too good um it's not like some kind of crazy thing where you're like mentally addicted and shit like that i mean i don't even think it's mentally addict kratom i don't think it's as mentally addictive as even like marijuana is um because it doesn't really it's not an escape it's definitely not an escape so it makes you feel certain ways it can make you feel um, good, but it doesn't change your state of consciousness. Um, so like something like getting drunk or, you know, smoking even even weed um, or taking some other kind of like, like drugs can change your state of consciousness and be like an escape from your normal uh, life and the things that stress you out and stuff like that. But Kratom doesn't stay, change your state of consciousness. You're still exactly in reality and still exactly in that same zone. You're not in this different state of mind. You're in your normal state of mind, you just feel better, you have more optimism, you have more motivation, um, and it's like an antidepressant. And also it can make your body like have a, a good feeling to your body, take away aches and pains, stuff like that. And then if you use it as a pre-workout and go to the gym, um, you know, it can really make you have an amazing workout because it reduces the amount of pain that you can feel. So you can just like go longer and harder. And also you just don't get tired. You just cannot feel the fact that you get tired or worn out in the gym. So you can basically work out at, for two or three hours at high intensity um, and not feel tired, feel amazing, feel great doing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an incredible pre-workout. And, you know, it's a, it's a really great thing. I don't use Kratom anymore. Uh, the last time i used kratom was about six months ago um i started using it because i got prescribed i had a a chronic injury like a repetitive motion injury in my arms and this was years ago and you know the doctor prescribed me uh, tramadol he he prescribed me tramadol to be using every day to deal with that and i didn't want to take that every day and uh, so then i you know started taking things into my own hands Found out about kratom and I used that instead, and it worked, you know, better than the tramadol for managing my pain, and you know, it it just worked better for me, and it was something natural. It was a plant that I I ate, you know, plant powder that I ate rather than a pharmaceutical drug, and uh, I preferred it. So that's how I started using kratom, um, and now like it's it's not legal in Thailand for one thing, so that's one reason why I never use it in Thailand, but. You know, when I go back to America, you know, I like to have a a Kratom every, you know, maybe once every three weeks or so. You know, I I go for months sometimes without taking it ever. But, you know, it's definitely nice to take a Kratom sometimes. Take five to ten grams of Kratom powder, eat it. And uh, yeah, it's good. I have a, a great day on that day for sure. Or if I felt low or something or for some reason on that day. And I took the Kratom, then I, I'd feel you know incredible that day instead. So that's Kratom. All right. The next question is from Natty P, who says, high-dose Anivar blast, say eight weeks at 100 milligrams every day over a cruise dose of testosterone. I like Anivar because it makes me feel good, and it just kind of works steadily. Am I wrong in thinking more equals better? Thanks. Love the podcast. Yeah, 100 milligrams per day of Anavar is a great dosage. So Anavar pretty much becomes effective around 40 milligrams per day. That's when you start to feel it, and I'm I'm talking pharmaceutical grade Anavar. I know that um, people people talk about like oh, back in the old days we took 10 milligrams uh, of Anavar per day or 20 milligrams of Anavar per day. Like they're they're talking that down. They they didn't use low dosages in the golden era. I mean. I can tell you that. I don't want to get into it too much about um, you know, discussing exactly uh what they were using because, you know, they were abusing stuff just like the guys today abuse stuff, okay? And we don't need to always be talking about the most, you know, insane abuse and shit that, you know, pro heavyweight bodybuilders do. You know, it's just unnecessary to be like constantly hammering you guys with that. We talk about that on the show enough that people use high dosages, and so I, you know that by now, okay? So when people talk about you know using 20 milligrams per day of anivar and being like yeah i'm a pro bodybuilder or something that's not accurate okay it's just not accurate uh like you if you've used roids before and you know what roids do like you use your common sense and and see that that's not realistic so for you for anivar to start being perceptible And start being like, yeah, I definitely notice the effects. It's not like maybe I notice it, but I notice the effects. 40 milligrams per day is pretty much the minimum dosage that you're going to get that kind of effect from. And once you get up to like 60 milligrams per day, it's like, yeah, I'm getting a good effect from this. And then at 100 milligrams per day, I'm getting a great effect from this. I'm getting a great effect so when you talk about, you know, are you wrong in thinking more is better with Anovar? No, absolutely not. 100 milligrams per day is a fantastic dosage for Anovar. You know, some people use Trenbolone at 100 milligrams per day. Is that weird? You know, or 50 milligrams per day of Trenbolone. So 350 milligrams per week or 700 milligrams per week of Trenbolone. Those are not unusual dosages at all. Or, you know, even taking like 1,000 milligrams of some kind of hormone, you know, 1,000 milligrams of test or primobolan, or aquapoise. Um, you know, these things are not that abnormal. So sometimes people are worried about toxicity from oral steroids and that's true. Oral steroids can give some toxicity, some total body toxicity and some liver toxicity, but Anovar is, um, you know, much less toxic than basically any other oral steroid. Um, and where other oral steroids have been shown, um, you know, at high dosages and prolonged use to, you know, occasionally in somebody, you know, especially if they have some kind of pre-existing liver uh, liver condition, but also sometimes you know, occasionally if they don't, you know, they can have you know some major liver problems, or you know, occasionally even there's been liver failure reported from people you know abusing oral steroids. Uh, so that uh, that does happen, but uh, not not with Anavar. Anavar has been shown to raise liver enzymes um, a bit. On occasion, but there's never been any liver failure reported from Anivar. And actually, one of the prescription uses that the doctor in America will prescribe Anivar it for is for people who have alcohol-induced fatty liver failure, okay? They can prescribe Anivar. This is a reason they prescribe Anivar, is to help those people recover their livers, okay? So just going to say, Anivar isn't quite like those <laughs> other oral anabolic steroids. Yes, they all are, you know, they all, the other oral anabolic steroids are liver toxic because they they reduce or they, they resist breakdown in the liver because they have a molecule called 17-alpha um, alkylation added to the hormone molecule. And that 17-alpha that alkylation molecule makes it be able to resist breakdown in the liver and it causes liver stress to happen. Um, so Anivar actually has that too. It also has that 17 alpha alkylation, but for some reason, and doctors and scientists don't know why, they just notice from studying that it doesn't cause the same amount of liver stress as the other oral steroids do. It's far, far less than the other ones. So, yeah, 100 milligrams Anivar per day. Fantastic dosage of Anivar. (laughs) Uh, The next question is from Lou. He says... I want to look like models on Instagram, people like Jeff side or Carlton Loth, how possible? Okay. So these guys take way ranging dosages of performance enhancing drugs. Um, you can't really, uh, like categorize them all as being taking one thing. So some of these guys take, you know, high dosages of trend and others of them take lower dosages. Or some of them don't take tren, um, and rely on other stuff. So you can't say like this is what they take, but I can tell you, um, you know, generally what it, what these guys what these guys use, and what they use is, is they use nutrient partitioning agents, and they use um, they use muscle hardener compounds. So the the hormones that are popular with them are trenbolone, anavar. Windstraw, Mastron, those are the popular hormones that they use, um, that those guys like to use. Most of them use testosterone propionate. It holds less water than long-acting testosterone, um, helps you look more ripped, and it's basically more effective as well um, at the same dosage as a longer-dose testosterone. Um, and then a lot of them use pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormones. So pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone, um, a lot of people say like growth hormone has water retention, but if you have pharmaceutical-grade whor- growth hormone, not very much, uh, not really. Um, and and especially if you're not running it in a super high dosage, if you're running it at a dosage, you know, five IUs or below, not, not really, uh, not much water retention there. Uh, and so growth hormone directly burns fat. It makes it so that you can eat food. Um, and not store it as fat. Um, a lot of these guys also use thyroid hormones like T4 and T3, um, and they use clenbuterol. They also use metformin because metformin is like a filter. And so when you take metformin, 1,000 milligrams to 2,000 milligrams per day, um, it stops about 30% of the fats and carbohydrates that you eat from being absorbed. And instead, they just go straight through you and you shit them out. Um, so it can be like a filter for some of the unclean food that you see these guys eat. If you see these guys like bragging and showing off by like eating pizza, eating uh, ice cream, stuff like that, and doing it frequently and saying like, you know, look at my body that I can maintain, you know, for those guys, um, you know, having a, you know, increasing their metabolic
0: rate, their basal metabolic rate um, by taking thyroid hormones Um, and then, you know, having a filter on their food uh, that filters, some of the energy out and just makes it go straight through them and they can shit it out by taking metformin
1: and then taking human growth hormone, which blocks fat cells from being able to intake energy and promotes muscle cells, taking them instead. And then also directly burns fat off of your stomach area. Um, you know, those are things that help with that. And then also trenbolone, things that, you know, it's definitely also blocks uptake of, uh, energy by fat cells and it directly burns fat and makes your muscles look harder and shit like that. So yeah, if I was going to give like a basic cycle that would work, that would just be like an average cycle for these guys. These guys that are like, uh, you know, if you want to have that Jeff side body, that Carlton Loth body, that Z's body. Okay. The first thing though, that I got to put, I got to put out this disclaimer here. A lot of these guys are just born genetically lean there are these guys that you know when they were eight years old, they had an eight pack. Yeah, you saw these guys growing up and you saw them in high school, um, and even in college a little bit. They're these guys that they just don't have fat on their body. They're skinny. Um, they're not they're not muscular. Um, but they, you know, they normally have that, that wide clavicle where um the clavicle, the the area like their collarbone and their shoulders are wide and they have the smaller waist, and they're just born, um, you know, lean. They've just always had an eight-pack or a six-pack, and they they were born that way. Um, never could gain fat, never could gain muscle. And then they go on steroids, and that decreases the amount of thyroid hormone that they naturally produce, um, and, you know, then they're able to gain some weight um, and put on some muscle, uh, so... That's what a lot of these guys are, you know you know they go on a little bit of trend, they go on a little bit of growth hormone and they go on a little bit of test propionate and um, you know they use some clambuterol sometimes and then a lot of times they don't even have a big appetite either, so they have a good time uh, staying lean, not being too muscular, but then having a really hard ripped look um, and that's how they get that look that's how a lot of these guys are so this is the disclaimer before I tell you. A cycle of like how you can you know progress towards that, but you know a lot of these guys genetically they're coming from that starting point, and so then they just throw in some trends, some wind straw, some growth hormone, um, and you know doing that, some clenbuterol, having a low appetite, and doing that with their genetics of already being lean, now they add some muscle thickness, and you know they look they look really good, uh, and that's that's that. But if that's not you, then the best way to approximate that look would be raising your basal metabolic rate by taking thyroid hormones, using the filter to make it so that you don't absorb um, as much of your food that you eat, you know, because these guys aren't that big. So taking 2000 milligrams of metformin per day, take in, you know, 25 micrograms of T3 thyroid hormone per day, take in... 100 milligrams of Trembolone acetate every other day So around 350 milligrams per week Of Trembolone acetate Same dosage of testosterone propionate um, And taking about 4 IUs Or even just 2 IUs of farm grade human Growth hormone per day Then um, doing some clenbuterol Sometimes with cardio um, Not lifting too heavy In the gym but doing a lot of workouts that are like nonstop weight training with lighter weights, but you just don't ever stop training. You don't take rest breaks, You burn a lot of calories in the gym. Um, and yeah, obviously do cardio. Uh, those, those are the ways that you can most, um, that you can most approximate that look if that's not naturally how you are. All right. Final question for today is from Dan. He says, I'm getting older, 46, been training a long time never taken a cycle. As a natural, I've got a good amount of muscle, but it's getting harder to lose weight. What would you take as a first cycle with my metrics and how long to get a good muscular lean build? Okay. So if you're natural, um, definitely get on some testosterone. You're 46 and you're looking for a boost and you're looking to do your first cycle. So definitely get on some testosterone. Um, you, you, you could just go to your doctor, you know, and Get your base testosterone because that will be very easy for you to do go to go to the doctor get them to prescribe you you know your pharmaceutical grade testosterone so you don't have to worry about UGL bullshit testosterone that you know it's probably fine if you do use that but it's better not to it's always better to use pharmaceutical grades and since you're um, approaching middle age um, this is definitely a time that you could get that without much uh, difficulty. So I advise that get on the testosterone, and then, like I said earlier about a, uh, a first cycle to recommend, you know, Anavar is really great and it's really low side effects. So Anavar, Trenibol, or Winstrol, those are all drugs that make you harder, stronger, and look better, um, and grow muscle, and they do it fast right away. So. Those are definitely good ones, and you can just take you know fifty milligrams per day of any of those. You know, I would, for me, I would probably prefer Anavar, especially if I was like in my forties. Um, that's that's what I would do, because I mean, Anavar is definitely the most healthy one of those choices. Um, and I would I would be doing like I was talking about with these guys that were wanting to do this uh, this lean Instagram model look like Jeff Side or whatever. You know, a lot of these guys, the way that they're training in the gym is they're burning a lot of calories. So when you go to the gym and you are just lifting heavy weights and, you know, you're resting and then you go and, you know, lift another weight set for, you know, it lasts 20 seconds and then you rest for another three minutes and do that, you know, for an hour. You've you've exercised for like a grand total of like three and a half, five minutes by the time your hour workout is up. And it really doesn't burn much energy at all. And if you're not physically active in the day other than that, Like, you really don't have a very high um, caloric need at all. So, like, a lot of guys that wonder, you know, how come I'm not burning more calories? Um, How come I can't eat more food without getting fat? You know, a lot of it is because other than that weightlifting with a lot of resting in between, they're not really getting any other physical activity during the day. So, would definitely recommend, um, you know, getting on the TRT, taking some Anivar, and changing your workouts to doing non-stop weightlifting, basically, like you stop the set, like you go, you're doing some bench press. And, you know, as soon as you finish that bench press set, you're doing a little bit of pull ups. And then, you know, you're doing a little bit of uh, dumbbell rows, and then you go back to the bench press. And, you know, you've only rested, you know, maybe 15 seconds between each of those exercises and you basically do that for an hour in the gym so you're basically constantly moving working in the gym uh, without rest and you know that's the best way to get your training to be building more of that lean athletic look uh, rather than a more softer uh,
0: bigger look if you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast. Go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions, or email, or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com, or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.